So it's all about really not just the theory behind it all. It's also about the practical part, which speaks to the change management part. Because the change, I, we, you know, our firm philosophy and our value proposition is change management, right? It is the fact of executing on the best practices, not just the best practice knowledge itself. If it's just best practice knowledge, you can Google and you'll find tons of sales best practices, right? So it really is that collective knowledge of what we see on the, you know, see out there. Hey, Agnes, how are you doing? Hey, Ravi. Good to see you again. Um, we've connected a few times, especially around startups and things like that, but I'd uh, love to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. I mean, I mean, I've been listening to it as well, and I thought it's actually really informative, and it touched on really relevant points for founders. So, you know, awesome job. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started this as kind of like a, um, a kind of exposure for early stage companies, early stage founders, because we found. You know, uh, unless you raise money or you're doing really significant uh, money standpoint, uh, it's very hard to get coverage as a founder. So this is meant for like like really uh, early stage founders in the in the in the, in the grid of things. Um, but I really wanted to chat with you about this because you got a few things going on. You know, uh, for people who are uninitiated, could you give us a quick bio about uh, what you're about? Sure. So I have my fingers in a few things for sure. I founded Change Connect about 10 years ago. We're celebrating our 10th anniversary. That is a sales consultancy. So we do anything and all things that have to do with sales and helping small mid-size grow their top line revenue. Um, from stepping in as an interim sales manager to sales training to um, putting in a sales playbook to implementing CRMs and putting reporting in place and running um, the business intelligence department out of their sales out of their sales data. So it's quite a bit of um, structures that needs to be in place for us, you know, even start up and scale up stage uh, to be profitable. I would even argue that you need to be even more structured at the startup and scale up stage because you have so many things that, um, you know, so much things you have to go on a go and things that a founders would have to do um, to get visibility into the organization. So for sure. So Change Connect is my first baby. Um, shortly after that, um, you know, five years after I've started a new baby, um, and that is Small Mighty Summit. So Small Mighty Summit is a not-for-profit that uh, celebrates small business success. So we, and and the Small Mighty story is an interesting one, um, because because what I do um, in the consulting world, I. You know, I, I you remember, you know, I bill one forty eight a few years ago, and all these clients are calling me, Agnes. Do you know this? Do you know this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm a sales consultant. Like, <laughs> how is it possible that I know what's going on in HR? But you know, as any good salesperson, you know, I said, I don't know this, but I know someone who knows. Let me make a few calls. So. And I started to realize a lot of startup and scale-up founders um, and small business owners, they actually are quite overwhelmed with the kind of information online. So Small Mighty Summit got started because we wanted to make sure that we deliver real-time information to the business owners faster than Google can. 
And that seems like quite an ambitious goal. But when you think about all the chunk on the internet right now, it's actually not easy to filter through things that make sense. So by starting the summit, we were able to get experts in various different trending topics to come and talk to the different business owners. And it also becomes a gathering place of support um, for the small business business community. So that is Small and Mighty, and we're celebrating our fifth year this year. So Small and Mighty, and then the last venture I'm in, sorry, about three, two, three years ago, is Kinderdrop. Completely different than the other two. Kinderdrop is a marketplace platform that uh, help connect licensed childcare services um, or daycare company uh, daycares to a parent that needs short-term childcare services. So we're a marketplace platform there for parents. So, I mean, that's quite a few things to juggle. Um, you know, let's let's kind of dive into this because uh, Change Connect. Um, you know, I, you guys really. Um, you know, I, I got into you through. Um, I, I met you through Fiona, right? So, yes. uh, she's also alum alumni from uh, high school. Me and my business partner Henry, we we're, we we're, we're both went to high school together, and Fiona was a few years ahead of us. And I remember, uh, you know, early uh, when we started Bluemax, we met with uh, met with her to. Um, you know, uh, to get um, feedback on like, you know, from her perspective and what she's been doing uh, with, with Change Connect, she gave us a really uh, an idea of like the kind of shifts that are happening, right? You went from dealing with more um, small, uh, small and medium sized businesses to startups to now a mixed bag of all three, uh, all two and and with especially with like change management, right? I think I believe you started as a change management firm and then focused more on on the, on the sales consultancy side. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So we um, started with implement. Well, we're, we're like all management consulting firms, so we used to do it all, and we, I guess, to some degree, we still do. But we, our best foot forward, or the, our foot forward, is definitely the sales transformation because we found a niche there where I have to admit, salespeople and change don't mix. <laughs> so. Um, when an owner can outsource that part of it to someone who knows what's going on, um, it becomes an easy signature on the dotted line. So, um, but it is, it takes this very interesting skill set that we do. Because if you look at the whole um, sales training or sales management or sales um, sort of structure process or, um, uh, uh, you know, um, ecosystem, a lot of times you have, uh, consulting companies, they go in and they sell you a strategy. And, you know, my many years in this world, I, what I realized very quickly is I can give you the best strategy. And if you can't execute it, you really don't get your return on investment. So everything that we do in Change Connect right now have to do with, okay, if we do this, is it feasible for the client to execute? And if it is not feasible, then it's not a good strategy regardless because they can't realize their ROI. So everything from even sales training. So a lot of sales trainers like to do, you know, three days training in a row and then sort of send you on your merry way and do your thing. Our training, actually, there are weekly trainings. And sometimes when the client really want to get it done, we do two sessions every week. But we try to give them time to digest the information and then they come back with, hey, Agnes or Viana or whoever, that didn't work or that didn't work for me, right? So how can you help me um, figure out how it would work for me? So before the pandemic, we actually have a really popular 
uh, lesson on networking. So the trainer will work with the team on how to go about networking. And the trainer actually would go out to an event with them to give them real-time feedback on networking. So it's all about really not just the theory behind it all. It's also about the practical part, which speaks to the change management part. Because the change, I, we, you know, our firm philosophy and our value proposition is change management, right? It is the fact of executing on the best practices, not just the best practice knowledge itself. If it's just best practice knowledge, you can Google and you'll find tons of sales best practices, right? So it really is that collective knowledge of what we see on the, you know, see out there. Because the other thing also I find is people recite from textbooks and these trainers never sell a day in their life, right? Well, okay, sure, you can recite best practice all you want, but when you go out there, that line that you were supposed to say didn't work, then what next, right? So I always pride our our consulting team or our training team have that sales experience as well. They always they also carry a quota and change connect because you to keep your tool sharp, you need to sell. You need to know what's going on out there. Like in the last 18 months, right? The idea of, you know, first of all, uh, work from home and then the idea of hybrid sales and then now the, the remote sales and then the now hybrid sales. The transformation of the sales ecosystem or the way that we do sales have changed. So if you, you have a sales consultant or trainer that teaches you, oh, objection handling should be managed this way, or you know, this is how you uh, go about prospecting. Well, is it up to date in today's time? Have they tried and tested that methodology in today's marketplace, right? So it's, um, so like I said, so everything we do really comes down to change management and people's behavioral change. Um, so I, I, I don't want to go on, but I, that's why I, I love our program because every conversation is around changing people's behavior here, not about, oh, what is the latest and greatest in sales? Because, you know, we, we already innately know those things. Yeah, I mean, uh, to speak more on that, like um, like uh, me personally, um, I, I went through the struggle of like, well, uh, last year, well, the year before in 2019, uh, when we when we the podcast, we got it up and running. Uh, one of the things we wanted to do was create like a, a sales agency, right? Uh, outsource sales agency because yeah. we're dealing with a lot of startups. We're like, hey, maybe we can help these startups further. We can create media for them to the media angle, but then maybe we can help them with sales as well. And the challenge was, is like it, as a professional in, in sales, it's one thing to sell one product for one company. But when you're trying to be, build an agency where you're selling multiple things, maybe different different industries and become industry agnostic, there are specific challenges to that, especially you know, selling B2B uh, and uh, understanding different, uh, landscapes, different tools, all these things. And one of my places to go to was um, some of your seminars, right? I mean, I met so many tools and, and people from just following uh, you guys on LinkedIn, uh, from Bravado, the sales community, to Kite, the, which you pushed really aggressively. I remember about having playbooks and having uh, automated tools, um, auto close. Like, we, you know, we met, so, and one of the things we started realizing is that, especially sales now, has become such a collaborative environment. Like, salespeople have such a hard task ahead of themselves that you can't just be isolated to the tools you have at your company or the knowledge you have at your own individual firm. You kind of have to go out and build a community around you and like join the communities that exist to kind of uh, build the tool sets and, and the pedigree um, uh, to perform at the level that you need to do. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, 
uh, the, the ecosystem you've helped built of uh, all these tools and communities and things like that. What do you, what is, what, what is, what has changed in sales over the last decade? Because uh, it's gone from a very siloed industry to now very collaborative. And and uh, traditionally, sales is seen as a very uh, ego driven, uh, um, like uh, ego driven, like personal, like uh, uh, like you know, go get them and like uh, greed is good kind of mentality. To now is like no, let's actually solve real problems. Right? You know, let's yep. actually create real value. Well, how can you can you describe that mentality shift you've seen? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, let's address even more current current day events. So let's talk about what happened post COVID or you know COVID period. So the um, we're having, and then I think that's why we're having an outside outsider quote-unquote perspective coming in is actually have done really well for some of our clients so um because what we've been able to do is we're bringing the best of breeds in all industry and we're sort of meshing it all up and thinking what is the best way out of this so for a key example a couple of really big projects that we're working on right now where if you look at some, some traditional companies, right, um, you know, whether that's in construction and or uh, builders um, and or, um, you know, some, some of the more traditional stuff, like um, even some of the marketing agencies where their traditional um, sales, B2B sales pipeline is pretty linear. Right. They have some sort of a prospecting event. They have some sort of. Um, you know, nurturing type of mode. And then they try to go in for the sales when the lead is the hottest. And the good part about today is based on the open rate, based on communication, based on your nurturing sequence, you're actually able to let the machine tell you who is the hottest. So a lot of that needs to be automated because, um, you know, one of the organizations we've helped uh, with some of these tools uh, that they put in before without any tools, right, with just your basic CRM, one rep was able to keep about 40 active um, clients in their pipe. And after actually putting in some automation tools and smart, not even just automation sometimes, some smarter tools um, in your sales, sales enablement, I guess, stack, when you look at it, so one to 40 um, ratio of salespeople to active client, we've actually been able to push them to about one to 100. And right there, if you think about it, you've just saved half of your sales headcount spent. So there's a lot of really smart tools. And, then, and obviously by doing so, we're able also to increase the, the conversion ratio because you're using smarter tools so you know when to go in for the kill. So it's there's a quite a bit of um, technology that I have never seen before in our space. Like there is, you know, I was talk, talking about Viona. She we try to commission one tech stack research one uh, per year because it's, it's quite extensive. It still takes us about you know a good three four weeks to complete a tech stack evaluation in the marketplace. So you're gonna laugh because you know Viona, and you know this is how she talks to people. She has she's no bullshit. So I told her, I said, you know what, if there seems to be, you know, we done, we did our, we do our annual one around June, July. So last year, last year, last year, I said, hey, um, 
Why don't we do another one in December? Why don't we? I don't even need. I don't even need you to do a full one. Just do an updated one, because there's so much stuff going on in the sales tech and martech space that is worth doing an an interim or six month upgrade to our to our study. She went off. She said, "Oh yeah, that sounds good." She went off, and then she came back to me in two days and said, "No way in hell I'm doing another one." Um, before it's due, because the space have changed so much. It's like asking Agnes. It's not an upgrade. It's a completely new study. You're asking me to put three and four weeks of my time into. So she flat out refused because she says, Agnes, a third of these companies stayed. A third of these company went bankrupt. A third of these got acquired. That that's, that's based on our June research, right? So the the sales tech space is so robust right now. It's, you know, um, it's crazy. I mean, we work with auto clothes pretty closely. So auto clothes, um, I think last, she was, he was telling me, Sean was telling me earlier, he's like, hey, I'm going to tell you, um, we got bought out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Already? And she's like, yeah, we're going to be part of, part of a vanilla song. So I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So you know, if you even we talk about we talk about Kite a lot, too, like we, we love the Kite platform because we believe sales playbook should be engaging rather than sort of park it somewhere on a drive and then never see it again. So we like the, the idea of Kite. But Kite have ch- completely changed their revenue model in the last year. Right. So there's just so much going on in this space. Like we're now um, a HubSpot uh, implementation partner. Because HubSpot have also changed quite a bit in terms of what they offer, not just the marketing um, side, but also the sales side and the engagement scores and everything that you can pull out of HubSpot. So there's, you know, if, if you're in today's world trying to sell, you can't stay away from leveraging tech. It's just so, so readily available. Like, and when you know, a lot of my smaller client, like my small startups and scale-ups, they're like, Agnes, but I don't have money to spend on tech. Ravi, there, it, like there are free tools out there. Like it, I, you don't always have to spend money. Some, I mean, sure, you might not have some key features or you know some fancy features but you know if it's just a matter of tracking pipeline understanding where they are um having some sequences right i mean sequence goes out a long way in uh, that I, we always talk about set it and forget it there's two things we always talk about in our world when you send out you know a communication is this for likability or for credibility Right. So if it's not for likability or credibility, then you're junking someone's inbox. So always have a very clear understanding of what you're sending out there. But also the other thing that I hammered them on is, guys, as a salesperson, especially in today's world, you're trying to figure out a way to be at the right place at the right time. And being at the right place at the right time isn't serendipity. Right. It's engineered. So you got to figure out with the use of sales tech, how can you be at the right place at the right time? Because your your clients, your prospects, they're being bombarded with information every day. So when they need you, you need to be in their face. And how can you, through your nurturing sequence or nurturing activity, allows them to see you at the right time? So there's quite a bit of planning involved in sales um, that people don't appreciate. 
And there's quite a playbook involved in sales as well that people think, oh, so-and-so just got it. They just know how it isn't is they have worked through either many years or strategically figured out a roadmap. They, should, they may not be able to explain that to you, but they're doing a lot of little things that get them to the end goal faster. Yeah, I mean, I, I love how you uh, position that because, you know, the struggles you talk about is compounded for people new to sales, especially tech sales, right? So I think there's, a two, uh, there's two branches of problems here is people who are in traditional sales role trying to merge it into tech sales because now all the, all the sales jobs right now are tech jobs, right? Oh, especially in all Toronto. All the high paying. All the, all, high all the good ones, jobs. yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of my friends, he works in a finance company in sales and now he's trying to transition to fintech. And he's like, he's like, Rav, what are all these fucking tools? Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, like how do, this, how do they work? I need to program stuff to sale now. Right. And then there are, of course, founders who are who might be especially technically amount of finder founders, you know, biotech companies, health tech companies, um, you know, right down to software, uh, software companies that are really good at their product but not necessarily good at selling their product, right? That's that's a traditional problem that uh, startups have. And one of the main reasons incubators and accelerators exist is to provide that kind of incubational support. So when you have all this conflurry of information going on where all these tools are changing around and all these strategies are changing around, right? Um, like, how do people go about this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like there's obviously not a one-size-fit-all um, so how would a person, you know, either transitioning from a traditional sales job or who wants to get into sales, uh, you know, because they're technically minded and they're building a product or service, where would they, where do they start? Um, I guess, I think, first of all, I think that's where the employer needs to step up, I, I believe. Um, because as, right now, we are definitely in a red hot sales um uh, recruiting environment where it is really, really hard to find a sales um, rep for anything right now. We also do recruiting on this on the Change Connect side, not 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 our main service, but we do. We help our clients look for sales reps, and I can tell you some of these reps like um, right now the the running average based on like monsters and based on looking at. Some stats the other day. Um, uh, da, 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 uh, Workopolis. Um, they are, they're quoting an average sales job uh, is open for 43 days right now. So there is more um, demand that there's supplies. And, you know, we've had really good conversation with um, uh, Assam, so the, the CEO of Sales Talent Agency. So we were talking to him about, you know, why, what, you know, why do you think this is it? But, and he gave us some really good reasoning. You know, one of the big ones that hit home for me is if you notice, like, because we, we were helping clients look for AEs and a last year and in the tech, um, in the tech space. And we could have got away with, with the base pay, Oh no, maybe just less than a hundred thousand, um, and it would have been okay. All of a sudden, fast forward that to March, April, May, you can't get away with that, and partially it's because this whole remote workplace um, phenomena, because companies are starting to realize that they can hire remote workforce, and we are 
prime. Canadians are prime for American to come in and say, hey, you know what? These people know what they're doing. They are high performers. And when we, we're going to still pay them what we would pay an American. But all of a sudden, these Canadians are getting a 30% pay jump. So now our Canadian startup are having a hell of a time filling these sales roles because now they're competing with the American giants. And forget about even American giants. There's even more. There's definitely more money in the in the American VC space. There's a, a lot more money in the the American startup stage. So you know it it is extremely hard. So actually, I'm doing a talk um, with at the Canadian Professional Sales Association in a couple of weeks. They have a conference, um, and my topic is on recruiting and retaining talent. Because it is such a hot topic right now, it's you really got to think outside the box in terms of um, how do you go about figuring it? Because you can't. You won't be able to fight with these tech giants. I can tell you that. Like, it's it's ridiculous amount what they're paying. Um, and they have the best support in terms of how these people can perform, right? But they, what I don't love with some of these giants also is the good ones are really good with support. The bad one is you do, you, you sink or swim, right? Or you just, in three months, you don't make probation, out you go. So there's a revolving door in the sales, um, sales department. Like sales department right now, the turnover in the first year average is 24% of all workforce. It's high as compared to any other department because it takes a while for a salesperson to figure out if this is their I wouldn't say even forever home, but whether that is the temporary home for the next three years, because they're now picky about where they can sell. If it's a brand that they can sell, is it something they can stand behind? Is, is there a social cause associated with it? Am I, do I love this environment? Do I love the support um, and everything else that have that's associated with this organization that I can say I work here? So there's quite a bit in terms of um, not even just a comp package, but um the whole compensation and job satisfaction package that, that needs to be considered when planning sales role and sales hire right now. Um, and truthfully, if you think about it, if someone truly believes in your social mission or your mission in general, they will speak more passionately about your product as well. So I don't know that it's a bad thing, but it also adds an extra level of sophistication when it comes to recruiting in this area at the moment. Yeah, I mean, so that, that that points to one of the things about salespeople, right? They love to jump, right? Uh, if something's not working, or they're not, if they're not getting good enough commission, they they want they want to move on, right? Uh, it's uh, salespeople are notorious for uh, moving to rising uh, rising tides, um, but but uh, but considering that, right? Like there was like uh, people were toying around this idea about the idea, of, especially in sales, like creating like almost like a labor pool or, or a labor union, where because it's such a revolving door kind of aspect and a, and a, and a, and a, and a place where you need to continuously improve your skill sets. And even for companies, uh, sometimes there's not a good, a good, um, a good fit, right? Employee fit. 
there's turn- sometimes a lot of high turnover or strategies change, things like that, right? So the idea being like, just like, you know, we have electrician guilds right now where you need electric- electricians come in and do that. You hire the guild, they source the right person. The the guild trains the person, make sure they're certified, all this stuff. Senior people get more priority and, uh, and pretty much the guild is one that pays them. But you're hiring a, 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 the, the labor pool. And there were people kicking around this idea of like a sales pool like this, where especially in tech, these salespeople would just would just work together and under one pool of talent that continuously upskilling themselves, learning from themselves and uh, verifying themselves, you know, based off of accomplishments, things like that. And this pool of labor can be contracted by multiple companies now. And therefore, you can have a revolving source of talent, but also a revolving source of upskilling talent. And uh, especially like, you know, it's been really hard to implement. Of course, like, you know, any, any, anytime you, you have just labor pools like that. But uh, in the crypto space, it, it, it's being really interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, over the past year, we've seen the launch of a, a multitude of different DAOs from the, the famous pizza DAO, which is like, you know, like all trying to bring all pizza stores together so you can programmatically buy pizzas if you're. If you're like a, if you're like a, uh, if you're like a employer and you want to deliver a pizza to all your employees at one time across like 25 different countries, you cannot do that because of the pizza DAO. Uh, but like, uh, there are sales DAOs now coming where like it's a organization itself is decentralized. The people come and kind of come together, kind of join the own this enterprise, and now they're contracted depending on the rules set by this organization. So like, I think there's a lot of experimentation on the way labor and uh, and and how uh, the workforce can be mobilized in, in the new world, especially in a remote world, to counteract these kind of issues of cross-border differences, right? I mean, same time you're talking about, like, you know, uh, Kennedy's now being paid 30% more. We're also now competing globally on, on, a, on a talent basis of being remote workers. So now suddenly someone in Kuala Lumpur can actually outperform you or can be, have a higher skill set, and now you're competing on a global talent base for the same kind of kind of jobs as long as the regulation or inv- regulatory environment allows for it, right? And it seems to be the regulatory environment is what's preventing companies from being in a truly global force where like your labor code could be purely distributed. Uh, the limitations being HR, right? The different limitations and things like that going on. So I think we're going through a very polarized atmosphere when it comes to work and uh, lifestyle and um, and things because everything's not set. Even though it's been a year and a half of this pandemic, People are still not feel like, you know, they're secure in what they do or who they work for. They're still looking for the best opportunity or they feel like they're left out, even though they're getting paid high amounts. You know, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like we're in a turbulent time or do you feel like it kind of you, you kind of settled in where where you want to be? Like, how do you feel about the current, current atmosphere? I think partially is acceptance. So if you think about um, some of the mixed signals that we're getting from these enterprises, right? So they're like, oh, yeah, let's let's do remote. Oh, let's not do remote. Let's go back to the office in September. Oh, let's do three days a week. Let's and then, oh, yeah, slowly we'll be all be back in November. Like that's what's what's happening right now. So I'm like and then it's like obviously pushing out of January, I think. That mixed signal is causing a lot of anxiety because if you think about it, you know that that is unsettling, right? So am I am I settling into my work from home space and from now on I'm gonna be a remote worker? Okay, good. Now I'm gonna find a way to make that 
you know, that situation situation for me work o- over. Oh, am I going back to the office? OK, that doesn't mean that I had to figure out childcare again. Does it mean I have to like this just a lot of not just work related habits, but also it's peripheral world. Right. So um, I think, first of all, the organization, the enterprises themselves have to figure out the, the mixed signals. Um, that they're sending to the workers and what they're expecting them to do. Because if you think about, um, you know, the talent pool and what they're hoping to strive for to achieve, I'm going to assume people, everyone wants to achieve and don't want to get laid off. So assuming that you want to achieve, then you have to have a bar. And the bar right now is changing every day for these workers. So it, it is tough. It is tough. On the contrary, what I find very interesting is a lot of my small sized clients they don't believe in remote work. So a, f- a few of the, aside from like true stay-at-home orders, some of the our client never, never left work in the first place. Like they, you know, they may have staggered hours or maybe they have accommodated like, you know, um, those, what do, you, what do you call it, dividers between desks, whatnot, and really uh, enforce the mask wearing rules. But they have never left work because in their world, remote Remote work may or may not be optional. They may or may not believe it, right? So in those environments, actually quite stable, right? Because expectation is set. I'm sure they'll they'll rumble and grumble about the fact that, man, everyone else is working from home. Why am I driving into work every day? But they have mentally accepted the fact that's their work life. And that allows them to outperform everyone else because their work life is stabilized. So there's a, quite a bit of that, I believe, is interesting. Um but also, uh, if you look at the the workforce, it's quite divided when we talk about sales and ch- you know people jumping ship too, because there are also people that want to stay at their jobs. Actually, there was an interesting poll I was reading in yesterday uh, on LinkedIn, because it's a it's a you know a thousand year old debate about whether the sales group is, is a sales um, group post, whether they they would take. Um, OTE, double what they get now if it's full commission over base plus salary. And it was a very heated debate between, um, you know, if a company doesn't offer me base, they don't value me at all. And But, you know, because we do sales compensation in our program. So I'm like, oh, my God, some of these people are quite, quite mistaken in terms of, of what um, – the compensation package really is here in terms of the base versus versus commission and 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 everything else. I mean, because compensation right now is just not base plus commission. So you know, some of them even ask, "What is OTE? You know, what is a, po- a good percentage break breakdown between OT uh, base plus commission plus year end bonus plus you know performance bonus plus team bonus? What you know, what else? Right? And flex hours and everything else that, that now constitute a compensation package." So it was very interesting because you can see that the world in sales is also quite divided because you're like, oh, you know, we're in such a red hot sales, sales recruiting period, like anyone can jump ship. But then you can see a very keen group of people talking about, well, I need my base or I need this job. I want to be in a stabilized environment because I have families to take care of. So I think the workforce right now recognizes that, you know, unlike, you know, our, our, the baby boomer phase where work is work, right? They can separate that. And then if they end up coming home after dinner, well, that's how it is now, right? That's, I'm not going to come home for dinner and have dinner with my family because 
work demand that I'm there 16 hours a day. And back the boomers, they're okay with that. That's their culture. But now, oh, you know, we need to do this for the kids. Like I'm, I'm a hockey mom. So certain days I'm out of here at 2.45, right? And I'm loud and proud to say that because you want to know that you have a flexibility of doing that. But yeah, I'll log on and I'll be the first to put on my hand and work. I worked till four the other night because I need to get something out the door. So that's sort of how it is now in terms of, of I think the whole sales um, truly coming together as sales is not just a profession. Sales is also a lifestyle, a good sales person anyways, right? There are, I mean, we, we always talk to our clients about there are many different roles within the sales hierarchy as well. So, you know, different people play different roles within it to make the sales umpire work most efficiently. And if you have one person wearing 17 hats, that person is not going to be most efficient. So how are you going to place your workforce in that makes it the most valuable resource in your organization is also a science in today's world, because especially in such a scared um, environment in terms of sales resource, you really got to think outside the box and make the most of what you have. Ravi, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry about that. I'm on mute. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to say like uh, one of my uh, great mentors, a um, uh, CEO that I, I learned from, he used to say that, you know, there's two types of companies. One where it's sales first, where you go and sell the thing and then everybody else builds the thing. So it's salespeople and everybody else and the other ones who build the thing and then try to figure out how to sell it afterwards. And you never want to be in the second half because that's the toughest half, right? You build something and then try to figure out the market for it afterwards. Always tough. It's always better to sell something and then figure out how to build it afterwards. So, you know, um, jumping from that, you know, I feel I can talk about sales with you for uh, for hours. But I do want to talk about the Small and Mighty Conference you have set up, this uh, this uh, awards uh, um, comp- uh, uh, competition, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? What was the motivations behind this? Um, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into t- this this year's well, winners as well. Absolutely. So we started Small and Mighty about five years ago, I would say. Five or even six years ago now, because we were trying to address this market needs in the, even amongst our own. Agnes, I can't hear you. Okay, sorry, we had some technical difficulties. We're back. Agnes, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so Small and Mighty started about six, I would say six years ago, um, where a lot of our clients coming to us about information um, that they can't find online and whether we're able to give them some answers. So we were able to connect them to experts uh, in that area to resolve their, I guess, issues or problems or whatever that is, whether that is digital marketing or uh, IP patents or, I don't know, uh, HR issues, you know, regulation. So we started as a summit that we run about three times a year, um, you know, in, in inviting experts in various different areas to come on stage to share the expertise. We have roundtables so that our attendees and our small mid-sized business owner have direct access to these these um, experts. So that's how it started. And you're going to laugh, Ravi. Um, in a small organization, that's how quickly we move things. So one year, we start, Change Connect started winning a lot of awards. 
Um, so, and we got together and we're like, and we got together too with this mom and mighty sponsors as well. But like, you know what? The hell with this. I said, small and mid-sized business owner work their butt off. They actually, they probably work harder than anyone else I know. And yet, because they're smaller, they never get recognized. So I'm like, damn it, guys, let's put together. And instead of just doing summit, let's do an awards every year as well. And everyone loved the idea. So, you know, we really want to celebrate small and sized business success. And that's sort of how small and mighty summit and um, sort of small and mighty business excellent award got started. Um, that was four years ago. So we just celebrated our uh, fourth year um, and our fourth set of winner. So we have eight winners this year. So I can rhyme them off um, if if you allow me, Ravi. Go ahead. Great. So uh, our community builder of the year um, is sponsored by Scotiabank. And the winner for that category is Alex Christopoulos. Um, fantastic guy, really done a lot for the community in terms of, um, helping out in the particular community that he helps out actually is the autism community. So they've done fantastic work with that community and true, um, community builder, Alex. Then next is small business of the year sponsored by Key West video and, um, Winner in that category is Navon. So Navon is a uh, e-learning platform for PSWs. So really timely in terms of um, their offering to what's going on in the pandemic. As a matter of fact, they were running. I don't know if they're still doing it. Um, one other thing that caught my eye with Navon is they're really into um they truly understand what's going on in the in the community and really help the PSW out. So their app or their e-learning platform, one of the issue is is in English. If you think about it, a lot of PSWs don't speak English. So you can't train them in English. They wouldn't understand. So they actually um, hire native speakers to, and not just even just Google Translate, right? They hire native speakers to do these trainings in key areas, and they were giving away actually their, their COVID training uh, for free. Like it's just such a great organization uh, from an e-learning platform for that space. Um, uh, we added a, a very interesting one. We don't have this category very often, but the judges came back and was really impressed with this lady. And she's she's like she got to get an award, but we don't have one for because she wouldn't win the particular category because she is not an innovator. Uh, from she doesn't have a tech. Right. But Paula uh, Zavala uh, won the business transformation of the year of all the all the business transformation that she did during COVID. Uh, we also have a builder. So Cassidy Duvert is our young professional of the year sponsored by Prospect Digital. Um, she, and she's out of B.C. So they are a builder out of B.C. Hopeful won the business innovation of the year. They are a social um, show, show, I guess, not-for-profit listening tool to help with their digital media or digital campaign uh, for not-for-profit. Change Connect sponsored a new business of the year this year, and it is Modern Plant Food and Zidia. 
And most important, not most important, last but not least, is our business of the year sponsored by 33.7 is Pumi. So congratulations to all eight winners in your category this year. I met most, I think the only person I haven't met this year is Amy um, from Pumi. But I met everyone at the award ceremony and post Post award ceremony, we also had a digital um, online ceremony as well for our BC winners and out of town winners. But such a fantastic group, um, a great, a, a strong showing this year, and can't wait for next year's. I guess uh, next year's batch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm so glad that uh, this happened because um, that you're doing this because you're, you're completely right, especially um, early stage companies to founders to um, just entrepreneurs in general. Yeah, recognition is like it, it, it's like a, it's such a driving force for them, right? Yeah, money is great, revenue is great, growth is great, but recognition just hits so well because when you put in that blood, sweat, and tears of late nights. Just being recognized, the fact that you're doing work, that recognize that you're having movement, uh, can make all the difference, you know, uh, and keeps you kind of moving forward. Um, so kudos for you guys for running this. Uh, really appreciate seeing this in the community. I think um, uh, one of the judges also was uh, Viraj, right, from Lataga. Is that correct? Yes. So there's um, Alexia. Viraj is uh, our winner from last year for business innovation. Yeah, so one of the way that because um, we stay completely out of the judging process, so we invite last year's winner to judge this year's category um, as long as they are capable, and then there are additional community leaders that we also invite into the judging panel as well. So it's quite um, an extensive little group that we built there, but it is. It's such a great alumni group to be in. They last year's group, they even talked about building their own mastermind group. Yeah. After the event, so it is a supportive community. No, I think that's. Uh, I think you should definitely follow up with that because uh, the, the, these kind of events kind of really bring together uh, communities, micro communities. I think that's so important too, right? Like we see more and more founders joining different micro communities, getting support from different communities, uh, learning from each other, um, sharing resources. That peer-to-peer support, I, I believe, is so important. Um, Agnes, I know, I know um, you're, we're pressed for time now. Uh, we talked a little bit too much about sales. We didn't get a chance to talk about Kinder Drop. Maybe we send in uh, Viona to come in and talk about uh, Kinder Drop, eh? Absolutely. Viona will be happy to talk to you about Kinder Drop. She's a head of partnership there. She'll, she'll talk your ears off. Perfect. We'll do that. Um, let's cut this now because I think we've covered quite a, quite a breadth of topics. Um, I love I loved especially your mindset when it comes to uh, sales talent and how they should be thinking about this environment, how, uh, how you know, everything's pushing towards jumping ship and trying to look for the best opportunities, but really you should hunker down and, and look for stability, especially for people with families. Um, and as always, Agnes, you know, I appreciate your posts and uh, everything that you do. Uh, I've learned so much from you and Change Connect and the organizations you support. Uh, so thank you again for your time and coming on. Thanks, Ravi. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everyone who's, who tuned in. <laughs>